Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Day podcast, where myself, Stephen Gorsuch, and Gareth Barker are joined in the studio tonight by some familiar faces. Been a while since you've been in the studio. Familiar voices to people, maybe, perhaps. If you can hear Richard Mason, that is. Do you want to say hello, Richard? Hello, you all right? Figure out how much we need to turn that microphone up, Gareth. I've got it on full (laughs) and everything. It's not going to... That's got to be loud enough now, surely. It's just Richard, you, I'm sure when the mics come on, your voice goes lower, Richard. I'm going to add a a a subconscious thing. How are we branding you now, Richard? Um, we call us what you want, really. <laughs> just call us a symbol. A symbol, yeah, formerly yeah, known yeah, as yeah, the yeah, Northern Echo journalist, um, Richard Mason. Interesting. Nick Barnes, been a while since you've been in the studio. You've been helping us out with live shows and stuff, of course. So, happy? Oh, <laughs> delirious. Didn't you call Richard Whispering Richard? Whispering uh, Richard Mason, yeah. I like that's that. what, he Whispering is. Richard yeah. Mason. Is that what would go on his T-shirt if he was on a stag deal? And you had those like naff T-shirts. The only up. danger is, of course, you get lots of complaints like the BBC did about mumbling. I've been on two stag yeah. dudes, Richard. Have I? Two? Yeah, two. Two? Possibly, yeah, two. Inclu- uh, including your own? It was a both of yours. It was a both of yours. I've been on three, and <laughs> see, because we're sort of obviously high-class individuals, we don't have the mawkish T-shirts that lads have nowadays. It's very much, much more of a sophisticated affair. Yeah, no, it's completely bare-chested, yeah. But we don't. We didn't have anything to write on ourselves, you see. So it was just, uh, just, you know, what? scratched uh, it on the desk. Wow! wow. <laughs> That's a, that didn't happen. None of Blood those brothers. things happened. We just went and enjoyed ourselves and came home. Unlike the weekend, uh, the football, yeah, yeah. getting back for that week. Yeah. That <laughs> I mean, you said on into the light, Gareth. You thought Sunderland would stay up. Have you uh, changed your, your opinion on that a little bit now? Um, possibly. <laughs> mainly, but it's mainly, it's mainly because the results uh, elsewhere. The results other teams elsewhere are capable of winning. Weren't, weren't, weren't great. I were mean, they? this exact date last year, we were actually six points better off than we are now. We had played a couple more games at that point, and we're going to go more into that on into the light, and we're going to have a look, see where we've been in each of the last four seasons and stuff like that. But I mean, Nick, that's that's two games. So considering or assuming. I don't know why on earth anyone would assume this, but you're going to get six points in the next two games. That only drags your level to last year uh, when Sunderland were one place outside the relegation zone and off the back of a 1-1 draw with Southampton. We seem miles away from that, don't we? Uh, uh, too far away. My head's saying down. My heart would like to say that they can still pull off a miracle. But just looking at the start facts, the reality of it all, they haven't scored in the last three games. They've got 11 games left. They've got to win probably every other game. They've still got to go away to Arsenal. They've got to go away to Chelsea. They've got to play Manchester United. They've got to go away to a rejuvenated Leicester. Um, They've got to play a rejuvenated Swansea at home. Burnley, who have been a little bit like in the past Millwall and Hull as their sort of nemesis in a season. It always seems to be a season when they... 
play these teams in the FA Cup, they turn out to be teams that they don't seem to be able to beat. And Burnley could well be that team this season. And I just think it's it's asking too much of them. And even injuries coming back, uh, people come back from injury. It, like it, it's, it's, not... it's clutching at straws because let's assume that Kirchhoff comes back in for the Burnley game. We've seen already this season. It takes him two to three games to get up to anywhere near speed. And he's so injury prone, I just fear that he may well yet again. It's almost like his injury problems are chronic and, and you do wonder why that he... It, that, is that the reason he didn't play many games at Bayern Munich when you look back at his record there? Knowing what talent and technically technical ability he's got, you do start to wonder why he didn't play more games at Bayern Munich. And now we've seen him at Sunderland you know, this, this summer and this season. He's just barely been on a football pitch. and So you'd have to worry about his effectiveness coming back. The um, optimism showed by David Moyes in saying that this break now before the Burnley game might get a Nietzsche be back, might get him Cashmall back, um, it, it's, that's by a, a long stretch of the imagination optimism because he was only saying on Friday that he's looking at a month minimum before Nietzsche be and Cashmall are back and, and he would hope that might be the case but even that he said was being very very hopeful so I don't even see those two coming back much before the end. At the same time we've only got We've only got two games probably before April. Well, we've got one game before April because we've got uh, Watford right at the start of April, aren't we? At first of mm. April. Um, so I guess that you know the run of games we've got coming up next will define our season. In we've got Burnley, Watford, then Leicester, and then Manchester United. Um, I think if you can just isolate the fact that Sunderland have got eleven games left, we've got to play. I know you were saying the teams have got to play. I've stated before and other stuff we've done. I don't think it's such a bad thing that we've got Chelsea last game of this game of the season because it's kind of out the way, isn't it? And if it gets that far, oh, then you'd rather we're play still them on the last day yeah. than play them three games. Exactly, from the end. exactly. So we could still, if we're out of it by then, it doesn't matter anyway. So we've got eight at the bottom ten to play. Um, so if we get some players back, you, you don't know. And we've we have sat here. Well, it's actually nearly four years exactly to the day since we started the show it was the 7th of March 2013 so and that was we were probably having the same conversation it's our fault that Sunderland are bad because we I mean, were right before then I mean we were worried about it's relegation the bad luck started yeah. then wasn't it I mean it was, it was almost like <laughs> this This. it's almost like this week we're talking about and it's it's almost like the, the Martin O'Neill level of sleepwalking apathy and the the catastrophic levels of the following well, the, the previous two or three seasons that we've had, in terms of we look dead and buried, but we always get out of it. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time. But that's, but... The, that's the heart strings. I mean, that's that's me. That's me thinking. Yes, look, they've done it before, and, and as, as impossible as it looks at the minute, that might still happen again this season. <clears throat> but I'm worried in the sense that the Everton game, I just felt after the New York trip and the so-called bounce they were going to get from that, if that was the best they could offer against yeah. an Everton team that weren't playing their best and Robles didn't have a save to make, then I think you know you, you do have to look at it and say, right, they then used that energy against Manchester City who ran them off the pitch and they worked hard and they had chances but they didn't score again. Even Huddersfield managed to score against them at the Etihad. They didn't score. They haven't scored against Everton. They haven't scored against Southampton. They need to find goals from somewhere. You wonder where they're going to come from. At the same time, they're almost, you know, almost guaranteed to 
concede a goal in games. When they go a goal behind, they don't look like they're strong enough to get back and win games. My worry, Richard, is just building on, on what Nick's just saying there, is that in previous seasons, you always had a feeling that there was an extra gear for those Sunderland sides to go into, particularly when Poet was there, I think. That was a massive season where where we, we when he got sacked and Adbaka come in, I thought it was a massive season where we underperformed. I thought we were a lot better than that. As Nick's just alluded to there, the comfortable manner in which both Everton and Man City have just swatted this side away and you can't even say that the players weren't put it in. You can't blame the lack of application for it. And it's it reminds I keep using the boxing analogy. It's like a, a boxer who's got who's technically superior to his opponent. He's got a longer reach and he just stays behind the jab all match known that if he doesn't do anything stupid, he's going to get a comfortable points victory. And that's a worrying place to be at, isn't it? It is. I mean, you look at old... Seasons you look at, you know, four or five years ago, four years ago when, when they managed to stay up first time round and, and keep repeating it. And you kind of think, well, which one is this most like? And this is a bit more like the Gus Poyet first season when when he was saying we need a, a miracle. Well, I think he used the words electric shock at the time. Then we had Conor Wickham coming into form and kind of shooting shooting to safety. But you just can't see anything like that happening again. I mean, the players that you'd usually rely on over the years to, to get you out of the trouble. The, the likes of Seb Larson, Lee Catamull, John O'Shea just don't have the same influence over the team that they once did. And the players that are coming back from injury, as as Nick said, you can't rely on those to, to you know, to provide the catalyst to get out of the trouble. It's just just it's all added up over the years. It's all amounted up and, and I think as as Gareth said in previous weeks, we're gonna have to take our medicine with this. Indeed. What you're on your phone now for? No, like, you're yeah, looking at interaction. Well, no, you're just, of, uh, are you, are you, have you switched off already? So, <laughs> well, well, no. I was looking at. We'll we'll come in with some of the questions later. I was just seeing if there was any that okay. I could slot right. slot <laughs> into the discussion at this point, rather than going back over old ground later in the program. So, thanks for me. It was exploring that. <laughs> to, to okay. That's delightful for them. I'm sure. I, well, you know, I, if they put up with us for this long, then I'm sure that won't that won't make a difference. Who is the Nick in the? In this side, who Richard Sinney doesn't think anybody looks capable of, of coming to the fore. I mean, it's Defoe again yesterday with, with that with that chancy fashion for himself and he hit the post. I don't want people to think of Barini's attempt. I, I, was, I think it was poor Barini's attempt. But I'm, like, I'm thinking, why didn't he? Why didn't he take it on his? Why he, he dived to head it? Why didn't he? He had just, time, didn't he? He had time to take yeah. it on his foot and a try lot. and place it. But that's Barini at the minute, isn't it? He's just not at the races at, at the moment. But well, I think at the, the moment. But is Barini going to be the the is Barini going to be the Connor Wickham, as Richard referred to? Because at the moment they haven't got anybody to come back from loan. They haven't got anybody to come back in and suddenly do what Wickham did the other well, year. It, not it, 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 it's a we haven't. But we'll, we'll we'll bring this in now. So Chris Thompson of the Love Supreme, who's been on air before on that, says, "Is it possible that for every minute Cavalry plays, another crease develops on Moyes' face? It would explain his absence." This is an elaborate segue into why Wabby isn't being picked and whether you think he should. So when we're talking about players who had large influence last season, um, who've kind of been, well, sidelined or... They, they, I mean, the one constant is that Kazri, for, for for all people who say that he looks unfit, I mean, that's a, I guess that's a purely subjective thing in, in some respects. Um, he's been fit, he hasn't really been injured, he's been available... And even when he's been, when he's looked to make changes to the team, so we see West Brom, he goes to West Brom and picks George Honeyman. I think. Leaves him out. Now, 
and the the last three games where he's bit, it's almost like when you play FIFA or something, and you get you think, well, I should I should make some substitution. So you make a substitution, and you bring the same player off for the same player at the same time in every game. He's brought Kazri on with ten minutes to go in the last three games. It just doesn't seem as though there's any thought process behind that substitution, and it's a little bit like, well, go and do something in ten minutes. Well, the game's gone. I mean. But I think, I mean, you've, you've said it there, the game had gone. I don't think Sunderland were going to get back into the game against Manchester City. And I think when they've gone 2-0 down at Everton, they're not going to get back in. No. I mean, he was waiting, I know Kasri was waiting to come either. on. Was the point you're making is that Kasri should be given a chance earlier in the game. Well, uh, if you got, even if it's not Kasri, if you're going to make the change, first it's it two points here. You've if you're going to make the change, I was looking at the game yesterday, 65 minutes, I'm saying to my dad, he's got to, he's got to do something here because... He's got to try and... We're losing. We need well, that, points. Well, that we was the criticism that, that Benno and I had at Everton, that Benno was crying out for the change to be made because he said Larson's dead on his legs, so there needs to be a change. But that change wasn't affected for another 10, 15 minutes. And when a change was made, you were expecting it to be Larson that came off, and it wasn't. And so I, I think, you know, there is, there is fair... It is fair to criticise Moyes for his... Substitution policy. I don't think it, yeah. it's working. But whether, when, and going back, but the, the other going point back to Casri. I mean, Casri. The, the problem is Moyes. I don't think from the from the from the very start of his Sunderland career has liked Wabi Casri. When he first met him and came across him in training in France, um, I think the thought that he was lazy has persisted with him. It's never got out of his head. And so, Casri for Moyes is one of those players that. I think all managers seem to have their favourites and those that they don't like or don't perceive to have any influence or can have any influence. And Kasri happens to be David Moyes's it just, bad penny. Yeah, I mean, right. we talked about this at the start of the like season. Like Martin Smith or Peter Reid. That's, yeah. that's what he would but we're say. But we're, <laughs> we're looking at a player here who costs Sunderland £9 million pounds or euros, whatever it was, back in January um, last year. And now... You know, we're in a situation where he's obviously bombed him out, like you say, because he doesn't like him. That's fine. But he's probably not seeing enough him, of him in tri- but training. Either. But you say we're, we're saying this. But if he's already his opinion's already coloured, then it don't matter anyway, does it? He's not going to pick him. But I just think it's frustrating when. I mean, we have see. a segment on Kazri every week, don't we? Yeah. Well, to be fair, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that I, I like I like, I've liked him, and I think he's you know he's he's I think he's had enough change in the bank to to be given an opportunity. Where like other players talk about players giving the ball away all the time, talking about a lack of work rate or effort. Well, you, you've seen that in people like Barini and in in Yana's eyes. So it doesn't wash for me that. And yeah, when he's come on, it's almost like he's try he's been trying far too hard there to to make something happen in the ten minutes that he's given, and he's made a few mistakes. But he looked all right when he came on yesterday. Not a world beater, but if you're going to make a change, give him a chance to to try and influence the game. Give him a chance to try and make something happen because. Otherwise, it's just a complete waste of time. Well, could I say, Nick? Then, if not Kasri, why not Gooch? Well, uh, well, yeah. I, th- I think Go- I think Gooch is the, the, the Gooch situation is different, but only because Gooch is just coming back from a three-month layoff. But even before he got injured, he seemed to fall fear a little bit. Didn't but he? I think, yeah, and I, but I understand why. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've spoken to Lyndon Gooch about this, and Gooch holds his hand up to it, and I don't think there's any. Um, you know, he he admits himself something that Ben and I were picking up in games, and you, you've seen it that Gooch was giving the ball away all the time. His his bright start to the season when he was a useful addition to the squad was gradually falling away. Well, he, he, only had had bad three, g- he only had three games, but he had, but he had a bad game at Queens Park Rangers and then an even worse game against West Ham. 
And you could see then his confidence was getting affected. He was giving the ball away. He was getting caught in the wrong positions. And I spoke to Lyndon about this and he said, yes, that's absolutely fine. That's right. He had the injury and he's come back from that. And it's a case now of him getting up to speed again. He noticed he wasn't on the bench yesterday. He wasn't in the squad. He's got, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, he's, I mean, honeyman, right? I don't, I don't want to like, you know, have a go at young lads, but see me. I mean, when you talk, you're talking about a player there who looks, when he's played, I mean, he did all right against West Brom, but he looks pretty out of his depth. You look at someone like Gucci, who looks like he belongs, even though he's doing bad things at times. I don't think honeyman. To be fair, looks like. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is there might be a very good reason for Gooch not being involved. But, saying they might be injured. I don't know what the situation with Gooch is. Well, we'll see. If he, I guess we'll see if he plays tonight, won't but, we? Um, but I don't think there's any point having a player to start him in the first game of the season, and then to get the stage where he's struggling with injuries, and you get him back, and then he ain't. You know, he's not even involved. You know, he's been back for a while as well. He's been back for a good three, four weeks, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So. But then he's used Honeyman, I think, probably because he's right, more right-sided and he's tended to bring him on on the right-hand side. And Gooch will play more on the left. I think I'd have a lot more respect for Moyes if he gave Kazri a chance, at least a proper chance, you know, not 20 minutes, not 15 minutes. But He doesn't even half. get that. He doesn't even get that. So you can't even say, well, he's been given the chance and he's not taking mm. it. You can't You can't say he gives the ball away too much because we, have, we haven't seen that in games. You know, it, training's, training's training. It's a different kettle of fish. Giving him the games, game experience, and you know, give him a chance to to, to earn his not to earn his place, but to, to stake his claim for, you know, for a start. I think it must be difficult. There. As difficult as a player to be in a situation where you've, you know, you've influenced a side. You know, yeah, you could argue Kazri's probably of the three players we signed um, last year, aside from Endoy, um He was probably the the least popular, maybe, but you can't. Say that he didn't have an effect because I thought he was sort of a bit. My, my impression of Kazri, you're right, he wasn't the most popular of the three, the three Ks, but I think he always struck me as being a bit of a Steve Marbronk. He, he had more influence in home games, yeah. but disappeared in away games, which was Marbronk all over. He was a real player at the Stadium mm. of Light, but when you put him into the team away from home, he seemed to merge and disappear into. Very bland, you know. What what mm. was Marlbronk doing? And I think Kasri was that for me last season. Now whether that's something that has been passed on to him as well from Sam Allardyce, who briefed Moyes on players and who was who he felt was a player, who he felt wasn't a player. You know, he he advised Moyes not to sign Yedlin, and which probably was quite sanguine advice when you look at where Yedlin is in the pecking order at Newcastle now, where Vernon Anita is ahead of him. So if Yedlin's not making it as number one in a championship team, you know, was Allardyce right about him playing in a well, on that, in Premier that, I guess team? on that note, would Billy Jones, Javier Manquillo or Donald Love start ahead of Vernon and Eder? Probably not. Probably not. Probably and, not. So if you're going to, I guess, you know, this is an argument and discussion we've had before. If you're going to have to sign a body, at least bring somebody in who knows the team. He's, 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 he can build on it. Rather than rip and replace everywhere, but you know we we have ripped and replaced and replaced. Although with I think rubbish, we really. we have to still remember that the transfers in the summer were coloured by who and what they could afford under the restrictions they're actually working under. So while they would would have he would have liked to have brought in a right back and preferentially <clears throat> you know, a, a centre back and a left back, his priorities became other areas of the pitch and what they could 
wheel and deal in terms well, of... Where did we bring in... There were still we, questions, where? though. For Kabula's transfer fee going out, letting Lens leave. These are questions, I think, fair questions that you could ask the manager, yeah? And, and oh, I, uh, yeah, and I think... But again, I think those transfers are probably coloured by... I think the Kabul one was coloured by... I hard to believe another Premier League side wouldn't have held out for more than £3.5 million for Kabul. That, that, I can't get my head around that at all. I'm not sure. The Kabul one's always mystified me, full stop. I'm not sure. I don't think he's done that well there, to be fair. No, he hasn't, he's but I just think popular. it was a strange one. But I think, again, at the time, it was a judge, It was a, a judgment made and was probably flawed with hindsight. Well, I guess you could argue, you know, you look at the injuries he's had and maybe they thought, well... I think that was part of it and the part of his desire to get back in, to live in the South and so on and so on. But I think, you know, the, as I say, I think sometimes the judgment was maybe a little bit flawed in that whole decision-making process. But I think a lot of things were then coloured by what was happening with Kone and that seemed to have a detrimental effect in more ways than one. I think the Kone situation, that whole Farago with Everton and Kone, you know, basically downing tools and and agents getting involved. I think that actually meant that everyone took their eye off the ball when it came to the sort of overall picture about the squad. I just think you know, we finished season... We see it every year, don't we? We, we finish and we're like, he's where we kick on, he's where we kick on. But there was something genuine about it last year. However, you do feel like, uh, you know, what's that game? It's a kaplunk where you, you pull you pull the straws mm. out and everything collapses. And you almost feel like just by... The couple of tweaks that he's made, uh, you know, I, I don't want to bang on about him Villa again, but by not, not bringing players in like that, letting Kabul leave, that kind of the straws being pulled, and it's all oh, just, it's all just come, though, did he? I mean, no, he didn't. But I mean, someone made the summer, the, though, but didn't someone, he? yeah, but in the summer, but the summer, the, the point was in the summer, he wanted to come, but Ruben Kazan wanted the seven million up front. They wanted that chunk of money worth up front. <laughs> well, Sunderland didn't have that mm. chunk of money to to give Ruben Kazan. They offered a million to Ruben Kazan because he only had six months left on his contract but they weren't interested in taking that money they would rather have sat and see him, let him see his contract out in fact they offered him another one than take a million when they were demanding seven and this is the whole problem I think there's been a mystified you know people are mystified as to why they then sell sign on Dong and Jilibodji for the fees that are quoted but they haven't paid those yeah. fees those fees are incremental if you like and so they've only paid them you know they've paid the million they'd have paid for yeah. Don't, don't depress us all by reminding us we, owe, we owe eight million quid for Gillibodges. I've, I've got a question for well, <laughs> or a discussion point for for Nick and Richard really because obviously Richard was recently in the in the in the northeast press. Um, seen suggestions before today. he turned his back on yeah before on the, he turned on the, his back on, on, the on profession. it. And, and obviously Nick's there all the time and that. Um, so you know I've seen some comments today from you know some some some. Sort of writers um, on, on various websites. Sort of writers. Um, suggesting that David Moyes gets an easy ride from the press. That people don't ask him questions like, "Why aren't you Nick playing? Why aren't you, you know, why aren't you playing Kazri or why are you doing this? Why are you doing that?" And there's a lot of what do you, do you think that's a fair oh, criticism? Very, yeah, it is, and I'll tell you why. Because David Moyes, as soon as the microphone's turned on, becomes a completely yeah. different beast. Mm. Well, what he tells us off the record is why he's not playing Kazri, why he's doing this, why he's doing that. As soon as the microphone goes on, he becomes defensive, he becomes a manager who thinks you're trying to um, trip him up, trying to catch him out, and he in, and, and automatically becomes um, you know, very much on, on the defensive. So he's too... He's Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, the, 
Uh, it's because of what's happening. Almost yeah. literal sense with, with him. Than Spain. Is that is that? And it's so you like have to be. I mean, I yeah, and I think you know, I I'm a bit circumspect with him now. I know that as soon as I turn the microphone on, I'm not going to get a great deal out of him. I have to, you know, my 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 way of working, I suppose, is to get my information from him off the record. Um, what I get from him on the microphone is not of, of no great value, really, in, in the in the greater scheme of things. The val the the information of value is given off the record, where he seems willing to give it, but he doesn't doesn't like the microphone. I mean, I upset him yesterday because I said that Man Manchester City gave Sunderland the runaround. He was, even though know, he was he was you know angry at that, didn't like that, and so immediately starts giving you shorter answers. So you don't, so you you know, in in one sense, if you start prodding and asking the questions about why aren't you playing Kasri, you'll get one word, two word answers. You'll get nothing from him, and you probably won't get anything off the record then. Is he happy here long term? Is he in it for the long term? I don't think he's. I, I mean, he will say he's happy because he's managing a football club. And but then you know you're getting semantics here. He'd, he'd probably be happier if he was at a club that was sitting five points above the bottom three, and he knew they were going to be in the Premier League next season. CV at the moment's not going to get him a job like that. No. So I think that, you know you're over. He's over a barrel in one sense that if he wants to convince everybody that he's a a tenable manager at this level or at the championship level, he's got to stay with Sunderland stuck, and see the job stuck through. Stuck with each other, you feel like. They almost. are, effectively. And I think he's also got a an ally in Martin Bain. Um, Martin Bain and he go back a long way. They're, they're good friends. They, they're they almost the counterbalances to each other at the minute. I think David Moyes' position would be a lot weaker if Martin Bain wasn't the chief executive. I think it's a slightly bizarre situation that Sunderland are in the most grave league position that they've been in for the, for the last four years, yet... They're probably the most stable they've been in the last, for the last four years. You've got you know stability at the top in Martin Bain and also David Moyes, and you think maybe if they do, go as long down, as that is stability, because I, I guess you know mm. it's all well and good saying right, we can't sack another manager, and we can't. I, I'm still not having the, the idea of that. It seems like an appeal one to me at all. But if you have a manager who, who for instance, thinks well, if we go down, I'm walking, then you almost think well, you might as well. Start looking now and building. Well, that is a fear, but I don't need somebody long term. I just don't get. I don't. I just don't get the impression that Moyes is going to do that. I don't think David Moyes is going to walk away from it because I think he think. I think he feels this is another project like he, he had at Everton. If he can be, if he can rebuild this football club, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying Martin Bain's so important. While Martin Bain is at the football club and rebuilding the football club, David Moyes will still be the manager because those two, you know, they're almost interlinked. I think there's a, you know, there is a. a, a a symbiotic relationship between the two of them, and while one's there, the other will still be there. And I think that, you know, that that's ultimately what their, you know, David Moyes' ambition will be to do is to to rebuild it in the in the mould of Everton as he did when he first went in there. And I think you have to bear in mind as well. I mean, I agree with you. You can't keep changing managers, and I think you have to remember that this season, that Sunderland, to be where they are going into this weekend's games, only three points from safety was a miracle in itself because I think at the beginning of the season when we were wondering where the first result was going to come from, there was a genuine fear that Sunderland could go down with fewer points than Derby County. So the actual fact that he's engineered as many points as he has is in a way a mini miracle. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He's, 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 at, he's at the stage of his career now. He's still, he's still a young manager. But where, where would you see him going if he was to walk away after this season? Where, where would he go to? He can't, he can't yeah. walk into any of the Premier League clubs. So you could see this as a real project to build something. And, and you know, he's young enough to still have that hunger, surely. Well, we're going to continue to talk after this. That's just in case there's adverts in, because people have been saying we get cut off in the middle of conversation. We always forget to put a little break in, so you might just had the. Before that, the mics went on, before the mic, uh, the mics went on, the star guard was like, "You'll have to mention the segment." And I was like, "We don't do segments in this bit." It's yeah, not into the light. We just we just ramble for like thirty thirty five minutes. If we can. well well we've done twenty seven, so that break is it. We're going to have to go on for a good thirteen to fifteen. It's minutes, almost disrupted. Um, it's disrupted the floor things a little bit. Well, that's you know that's a price you pay. You've just got to You've just got to be professional, yeah. haven't you? And haven't seen a penny of advertising money, by the way. So if you listen here, cast, where's my money? <laughs> You know, you won't be because you know you've got thousands of podcasts on there. So you know, this will be the day that they'll choose to tune in. Yeah, yeah, okay, and drop okay. you. We need a quality. We need a quality control. Yeah, well, there won't be any segways or segments next week. It'll be seamless because you've been dropped. Talking about stability of the club, and again, this is something we're going to discuss later on the week, guys. On 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 into the light because uh, there's no game to preview, so we need we need. Um, come up with there uh, we need to do a little bit of research so we've got a short fill because mm, uh, there's a contract that one yeah um <laughs> what's the guy i totally lost my train of thought right stability as i said I'll, I'll discuss this later on the week what do you feel nick about we're talking about how there's a, a feeling of stability almost now at least where there wasn't before i keep saying it it's the least worried i've been about getting relegated in the last three or four seasons, I think because of the, some of the younger players there, because the financial situation we already have, potential transfers as well, a, a couple of the players who might leave a big phase. I don't know if that's just me being deluded. I know, or I, to no, I, know, into it. I know where you're coming from. I'm. I think it, it, this this relegation could be more painful than had it been two or three years ago, only on the basis that. Already, and it's not related to relegation. The, you know, the, the club is shedding jobs. Um, they're streamlining. They're going through quite a, a painful shrinking process, if you like, to turn it back into a football club. Which I always think, okay, you know, in the long run, that is, you know, for the betterment of the club. But it's it's a painful process, and that's why they're still in the Premier League. And you've got to bear in mind now, if they get relegated, that process could 
see it shrink even further. Um, you would imagine they've got relegation in mind when they started this. I, I think possibly to a degree, but I think a lot of it is this realignment of the football club to get away from. And this was always on the cards. This was in the, on the cards in August, even before a ball had been kicked. That the concerts, the involvement in Africa, the periphery, all the operations that go on around the football club on the periphery, which didn't really have a direct impact on the football operation, that was always going to be a case where there was going to be that streamlining, if you like. So there, there could well follow further shrinkage, if you like, if they get relegated. But my biggest fear is that the championship now is so competitive, as Newcastle have shown... It's a full of quality, though. It, it's not. It, it's, 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 no, it's not. But it's, it's not. Brighton, who were, who were... But that's why it's competitive. Who everybody you know, even, thought were the best team even until Newcastle, Newcastle beat them. Even Newcastle, quite... with the quality they're perceived to have in that squad... Only now, coming into the into March and April, are showing that they've it's, it's starting to tell. So Sunderland are going to go down if they go down with a squad that, as you say, you're going to lose all your big players. You're going to have to rely on players like Hunnaman, who Gareth is, you know, is probably not good enough. The big the big players, Cornier, Pickford, will go Defoe. Defoe, but that who, who else? Uh, because he doesn't play a casual anywhere. So Barini, well, Barini, no, he doesn't. Anyway, Barini wouldn't, wouldn't be a miss. The form he's in. No, so, so if you're bring you're in only for, talking about six, seven players going. Yeah, but if, who you've got to replace? Mm-hmm. Well, I, and, again, may, we'll talk and, about and on top of that, Manoni will be another one who probably go because his wages are so high. And I think the, you know, great. no, but you still means you've got to get another keeper you in. Do. You've got to get. You've suddenly got money though, haven't you? If you if you think about you some will, of these you, players you, who are leaving, you're going to get big transfers. You get big transfers in, but you also but then you've also got to bear in mind against that the backdrop of all that money coming in, you've got to make sure you're getting rid of all the wages that are causing all the problems for FFP at the minute. So there's still a balancing act to play next season in terms of who you who you bring in, who you've paid off, where you've got your wage bill down to. And where you're going to keep the level of wages that you've got coming in. You've got players coming up out of contract, Billy Jones, Seb Larson, and so on and so on. So you've, it's going to be a major rebuilding of the football team in the summer if they go well, down. The funny thing is, we see up, everyone always talks about it having to be a major rebuild anyway. And but, it, 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 I think. But the point I'm making is that in the Championship next season, you're going to, yes, you'll get all the parachute payments, you'll have all the money, you can rebuild the squad. You also have a look, you know, you've got a competitive top six or seven in the championship who are experienced now at playoffs, getting into those situations. Your Sheffield Wednesdays, your Huddersfield Towns, Leeds United, Aston Villa will probably be there or thereabouts next season. Norwich City will probably be there or thereabouts. There's going to be a lot of teams in a similar, you know, now will be neck and neck with you. So to, so the guarantee big... of going straight out again is, is le- I think, is less than it was Eight years ago, went on ten years ago when Roy Keane did it, and, and you know threw money out in January. Having said that, though, we went down with the worst team in the history of the Premier League, or whatever. If Twice. you want to say that, but we did, we did, we it took two seasons to get it back up there, and we finished third in the first season. Then lost in the playoffs. Second season, I, we I, won I, the I, league, and, and, I, and there's a and there's a, a pull, isn't there? Because it's, it's flip, flipping it on its head as well. Sunderland are a big pull at that level, and we we yeah. we we've mentioned before, you know, we're heavyweights in that division. We Myself and Gareth have discussed on previous shows all the relegation specials we have and stuff like that, that using the Premier League as a reference point. When Peter Reid took Sunderland to the Premier League for the first time in 1996, they've only been at that level five seasons. They've won the league three times and finished third twice. That's in 20 years. Yeah, so 22 years. That's 
that's you know those are now uh, course accounts for nothing in, necessarily. But and we've those, been those in various different positions when we've gone in those into that league where you know under Reid it was slightly different. But had a terrible start under Peter Reid. We had a terrible start under well not under Roy Keane but obviously we were, we lost to Bury. McCarthy lost his first league. couple as well. Yeah, we lost. I remember yeah. losing to Millwall. I did, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm painting the worst case scenario. I think you know the worst case scenario they could be down for couple of seasons they I don't could, but I don't think you know it's unlikely that they would be in a situation like that you were saying with Mick McCarthy that time when they lost in the playoffs to Palace and then the following year they went up um that wouldn't surprise so I me think so I think the fans will probably take that though I think they're realistic enough not to demand that we we go think, down there and but win there's, the league, there's so, no yeah. substitute for the experience of those teams that have been in it year I mean like you know as we talk about Sunderland being in the Premier League and becoming a a Premier League club over ten years. Well, they haven't made a good fist of that. You know, every year they've just hung on at the end of it. Likewise, the experience they've had and hanging on at the end of it is commensurable to those teams in the Championship who, year in year out, are there or thereabouts. I've met you know Sheffield Wednesday's, the Leeds, the, those teams that are always in the top ten because they've got experience of that division. I just think, I, ironically, from a playing staff perspective as well. I, I don't know what you think, Richard, but it's ironic that we we. Uh complaining about our centre midfield at the moment, saying how that's possibly the weakest area on the pitch and it's really costing us. Ironically, I think if we go down, that would probably be one of the strongest, um, one of our strengths, because we could keep a nucleus of, of people like uh, McNair and Dong. Well, I think they'd uh, keep Kirch off as well. Kirch, if they so keep him people like that suddenly, uh, you're using that as a platform to build on, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be a, a young, exciting team that that would go down with. The the key is to hit the ground running once once you get down there, because you can get sucked in. If you don't get the momentum straight away, it, it could be a long, a long old time down there. You know, when Middlesbrough went down in two thousand and nine, they stayed there for for seven years before they came back up again. And whereas Newcastle have managed and look like they're going to do it again to come back up straight away, it I, I don't know whether that would be the case with Sunderland. I don't know whether the damage is 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 a lot deeper than than it has been before. So uh, although they have finished, you know, higher than third in the last what twenty eight, twenty two years. But I think I, I, I mean Richard made a point there. Yeah. I think it's quite a good one. It's like you, you, we, you know, Aston Villa. I think we assume would be in a position where they'd have been competing to come straight back up, but they haven't been because they've been so badly damaged yeah. by the three or four years leading up to their relegation. And it's they some, have and the same nucleus of players, though. And they've kept a lot of the players. Yeah, but then they've gone and spent 150 million quid. Yeah, trying to get back up. But I mean, I think the thing about relegation is. It, I think it's the only true measure of failure in football, and that's why it's so painful. It's rubber stamped that you you have failed. You've you're in that. I mean, success is relative. People can say, "Oh, it's been a successful season for them," because really they're a a, a team that should be finishing thirteenth or fourteenth, but they finished eighth. Or, but fa- it, relegation is failure, and it's it's a really tough blow. But once you get over that. You're looking, you know, you'd be looking forward to the season again. It's a, it's a fresh start. It's, it's new, and you go through that process every year when we stay up, and you think it's going to be different this year, and it never is. You, you think, oh, it'll be different next time, and it never is. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it'll be better or worse for whatever reason if we get relegated. But you know, watched the um, the Newcastle Huddersfield game, and for a football perspective, I mean, it was pretty like ridiculous, really, at times. Like the, some of the mistakes that. You see in some some games in the in the championship, but look at the they were panning across and looking at the the Newcastle fans and 
big away end and they're all, you know, jumping up and down, singing and having a good time. And yes, Newcastle fans are a bit simpler and less sophisticated than Sunderland fans, so they're probably happy with that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you look back to when, you know, when we went to Barnsley yeah. under Keane and won 2 0 and there was 7,000 there. Wigan under Mick McCarthy. Mark Stewart scoring one nil, seven thousand there, and that. I mean, we've had it up yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, and all those, you know, and, and when you're down there, and, and if you're doing well or you're winning, yeah, it doesn't matter what division you're in because you're happy, you're enjoying it, and I think once you get over the pain of of, of relegation, I'm not, you know, it sounds as though I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm sort of mentally preparing well, for it. Well, yeah, we're all there. I don't we're think there's anything wrong with that. I don't. I know what you're saying, and I don't think there's anything wrong with going, saying like, if Sunderland get relegated, um, then you get over that initial pain, and then you you, you look at the you look optimistically at, at the future. But I think that but you, you there is you do have to sometimes be a bit more pragmatic and think. Look, they haven't got a god-given right to be that team that comes straight back up because Leeds United, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday. Bolton Wanderers, Blackburn Rovers, maybe Bolton. just getting, you know, but if they come up, if they come up, but Bolton Wanderers, uh, you know, look where they were, a solid Premier League team for ten years plus, and look where they are now. So, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a <laughs> Blackburn and Bolton. It, it's um, but the point I'm making mm. is that you know, all those clubs and all their supporters, when they got relegated, would would have felt that okay, look, we get over the relegation, yeah. we rebuild, and we come back up. And I think that applies, you know, to no bigger club than Leeds United. I mean, who would have believed that Leeds United would have been still out of the Premier League after all these years? I, I mean, the, the, the size of their club. Their situation, though, was... It was extenuating because they were real financial problems yeah. that they had. I think the interesting thing as well, going back to David Moyes and his attitude, which has annoyed a lot of Sunderland supporters, understandably, some of the stuff he said, um, and and his, his negativity in... Now, there's a couple of arguments here, I think. One is, has David Moyes earned the right to be part of the plan and be the person who rebuilds the team? Because, obviously, the earmarked that and decided that's what you're going to do. And it's almost like he's been told, regardless of whether you're in the Premier League or you're not at the end of the season, you're the man for the job. So... But is, some, it, is, some that, might is argue, that question irrelevant, though? Because no, he, is, he is the man. I mean, yeah. he's there. So, so, what, that, so my that, point that, is, is, with his attitude next season, I think I'd be... If he's... If he starts saying, right, we're in this league and we're going to try and get promoted, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and then he might, you might see different David Moyes where he's he's been more, trying to be more positive, He's he's got to be more proactive in trying to... It's a different battle, isn't it? And he's saying, right, my job here is to get... It's not, oh, if you stay up, great. If you go down, then fair enough. It's you've got to get promoted, and if you don't, then you've kind of failed. And you might see a different David Moyes. And my point is... Would, are people willing to accept that, or, or you know, because if he go, if we go down and says, well, if he says what you're saying, where you know, there's ten clubs in this division that could be promoted, it's going to be tough, and which you know, you, we might not, we might not go, we might not. I think any manager would. Yeah, I don't but, think any manager wouldn't. But it's say how that, you, but, but it's how you phrase it. But I think you've got to look at. I think there are certain things we have to accept. I mean, Stevens, you know, touched on this about this chain. You can't keep changing managers. I think we have to accept. Like him or loathe him, David Moyes is here and is not going anywhere. That's the situation at Sunderland Football Club. Just at the uh, breaking news here that, uh, Mick, that he's been sacked. <laughs> <laughs> the old famous Mick McCarthy, they won't sack me, and uh, he's gone the following morning. But you have to accept that he is the manager. He, Martin Baines, the chief executive, they've got a blueprint. 
they've got a template. And if David Moyes follows the pattern he followed at Everton, then he will look to put into in, into operation his his sort of his plan will be to bring in younger players who have got a sell on value in four or five years time and build a team in the same way that he built a team at Everton when he brought in the likes of Leighton Bain, Seamus Coleman, Phil Jagielka and those sort of players that actually then became well established Everton players for a number of years. And in amongst those, they they picked the odd gem, which they then sold on for a good deal of money, which allowed them to reinforce the squad yet again without having to make major changes to it. I mean, here's another point, actually. If we stay up... Which is which is what they... But if we, is, if is we the stay plan. up, though, what can we do next season? Are we going to be in the same situation where we've got no money to spend, where we're scrabbling around? That I think that is more depressing because mm. it's just... A continuation of the problem, and it's never going to cease. He's not in a position where he can bring in two or three players to better the squad like Allardyce was at the end of last season. Where if he'd stayed, he probably would have signed a few players if he could, in in quality players in certain areas. It's going to be he's going to have to replace people like Pina, and each be people like that who on who either injury prone on short term contracts or whatever it may be, or. And, and these are players that you know talking about Pienaar, like yeah. But he might. But we're talking about. But he's injured. He's been injured. We, I mean, I remember us actually coming into here once, and I was saying, and each of these in great form at the moment. But it's inevitable that he's going to be injured, and what we're going to do when we're when we lose him, and, and we've basically I haven't think, seen him since. I, I mean, December. there is. It's a good question because I think there is. A, you know, there are big issues there because the big issue is about the perception of the football club in terms of attracting players to the football club again if they think they're going to have to go through the are same we gonna, Are we going to attract the players or are we going to have season? the money? Yeah, I think, there will, I think there will be more money available because there will be players off the wage bill, there will be players that are coming up out of contracts won't be offered new contracts and so on, which will give them more leeway to to buy players. But I, you, you're right, I think there's, the bigger problem is the perception of Sunderland if they stay up as is it going to be yet another season yeah. where they're struggling to avoid relegation so in well, one sense relegation like can it, actually be well, quite cathartic let's, what, let's, you, let's you feel like it's inevitable you, well, just, let's you, go, you just kind of want to embrace it would, a you, would, bit. would you rather go down and maybe have a bit of a clear out be a big player in that league try and rebuild a little bit and then try and go up again and, and, and build on that or would you just ra- or would you rather if you could guarantee stay up and, and, you guarantee well, I'd rather gonna, t- stay yeah. up. I'd rather be. Well, if you're there, stay there. I think that's the idea. I think if you you don't want to risk the scenario that we've talked about, you if you're in the Premier League, stay in it by hook or by crook. But then that that's that's been the mentality that's led us to the situation. But that's, but, that, but that's the Premier League, isn't it? That's the it's the Holy Grail, isn't it? I mean, for all the deficiencies and all the problems of the Premier League, everyone is still desperate to get there and stay there. And whatever way you look at it, if Sunderland go down, are you telling me that Sunderland fans are going to say, actually, I'm enjoying the championship oh, no. more, People, I'd rather stay absolutely. here than get promotion, but you want promotion back to the top flight, absolutely. you want to play at the best level of football. But absolutely, but the, with that comes a season of winning games, it comes some you know, moments, it, 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 it brings it's different eternal things. hope, isn't it? And, and, it's and, the, and I don't think this has always been the case. But I would suggest now that, for the reason like you touched on there, Sunderland have this reputation where they just go and get away with the bad skin the teeth every year. You almost feel like a player would rather sign for a promoted club than somebody like that. Which is exactly what's happened, because mm. Ryan Mason, Alfie Mawson and so on 
I mean, Mawson went to Swansea, but Mason went to Hull. You know, on for that very reason because he, up with he, a po- he was a going with a, a team momentum. that was on the up, and also because he had Tottenham teammates there. But that was one very good reason for Mason signing for Hull and not Sunderland, mm. and that was one reason why other players turned down Sunderland because they felt they would rather go to a team which seemed to have more ambition and seemed to be on the up than one that was as the perception is amongst, I mean, if, if, amongst British players, not so much foreign players, that Sunderland is, in inverted commas, a failing club. And if, if, you, I mean, if you could guarantee you would come up in a couple of years, it would be per, I would rather do that, I think, personally, because, because you would get that positivity back. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you'll you, always you, remember that, you know, that when we came up the first under Keane, and it was when Chopra scored that goal against yeah. Tottenham, it was like all of the demons of the... This this nineteen point How season, nice to have a fifteen point season, yeah, which we could have next season if yeah. without the concerts. But that was like all the demons of those two seasons had been exercised. That's what it was. That's what it felt like. That when we scored that goal, I still remember it, and it was like the the roof came off the place, and you know, last minute. And tell you what, there's a I'm not, we'll not get too far into the point, but there's a difference. That keen team, how many points did we win in the last five minutes of the game? In in how many how many points does this team lose in the last five minutes of the first well, half? Or the, well, or the I mean, actually, half? Funny enough, fourteen I looked goals. It today is today at how many times they've conceded within seven minutes of half time, and going back, you're looking at Middlesbrough at home, Stoke at home, Chelsea at home, and then Everton away last week, and Manchester City at home this week. Outside of that. They did concede goals, but it'd be 15 minutes from half time and so on, so you can't really take. But there are five games. This, it's, this 14, it's 14 goals in either the last five minutes which, of the first half or second half. And I, yeah, and then I haven't even taken into account the second half. But I spoke to Seb Larson about it yesterday and said, look, you've clearly got a psychological problem with Just him. Said, <laughs> and, uh, he has. I bet you felt uh, great after that. <laughs> actually, yeah. But as a team, they have a psychological problem. And he said, yes, we have. I mean, they clearly have, which is something they've got to address. It's an Achilles heel with them at the minute because conceding not only just before half-time but conceding in itself is causing Sunderland no end of problems and Sam Allardyce identified that last season with his, um, you know, he always said Sunderland have to score first because they concede first, they've got to score two goals to win a game and it's not they haven't got yeah, the capability. That Middlesbrough game is going to be a belter, isn't it? Two teams who can't score any goals. You, you, wish, you wish we were playing. Which, uh, sorry, kind I'm, of I'm, not, you... I'm not going on because we're going on longer than we normally do. Yeah, but um, get, it's been it's been quite get good, on it? But get the, a little bit I'll do, I'll do one, one more thing okay. that I've just... So, generationally as well, it's interesting that we've been in the Premier League for 10 years. And there'll be people who probably started supporting Sunderland when they were 11, 12 years old, who are now 22. We've not seen a win. Who've, yeah, who've not seen, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who've always known Sunderland to be Premier League. And that's going to be interesting to see... How they respond because obviously we're from a generation of people who are used to seeing. Well, it is. I mean, Sunderland I mean, in the, are, in the are, are they the division. people that don't turn up when the gates drop down to twenty-five thousand? Yeah. Because where are those? Where are they? You know, who is it? Which which group of supporters is it that disappear when you get a relegation from your crowds of forty thousand, forty-three thousand, <clears> down to twenty-five thousand, thirty thousand? There is a there's a large number. That's a big percentage of people who disappear, and. Do they come back? I know plenty of people who the last relegation said, that's it, I'm not coming back. They haven't come back because they found better things to do with their Saturday afternoons. Or Everyone's got better things to do with a Saturday <laughs> yeah, afternoon. But even if, even you know, if you're winning at football matches, you've got better things to is do. Is the fact that the 43,000 crowds now, are they a result, as of what Stephen's saying, 
of the new generation of people that are coming along. And is relegation going to lose you that next generation? Mm. And you've got to start again with your crowds of 25,000 and build again. I think younger people are more likely to steer yeah. and, and go, I think like, to be honest. Cult, the fan culture has changed since going to away games and all that kind of thing. Yeah, look how often we set out away games. Like, I think, think that didn't used know, to be the case, even when we had better teams than this. We I think Fleetwood we away next season, you know, people will have to have about 50 points to get Fleetwood. So that'll be fun for them. Only that'll be a new ground to take off the list. But now we're in Fleetwood. Oh, dear. Shall I do? I'll take. We'll keep we some of the proper ones. ones. We'll keep some of the proper ones. We'll save some of this. If you sent Twitter interaction yeah. for Thursday, if you sent us we proper have a, ones, we have a short film yeah. on Thursday. If you well. sent us proper ones, I'll not read them out. But here's some not proper ones. <laughs> so from Paul says, why are the seven? That's SR five, Paul. Not only one Paul in the world. Um, why are there seven Gregs in the town centre? Makes money. Supply and demand. Supply and demand, Supply and exactly. Demand. And yeah. some of the products at Greg's are delicious. I will be at Greg's officialing most, them into this after this, so and see if they can send us some. Uh, those they sent you some stuff, didn't they, once? The chicken yeah, wrap things are lovely. Yeah, I, have one, I think I'm addicted Greg's. to those. Sorry, what was that? Official friend of Official Greg's. friend of Greg's, so have a word and. So, at Greg's official, I'll be tweeting you. That was one of the greatest things I ever got, actually. A £20 Greg's voucher for Christmas one year. Do you know what? From Greg's. Actually, one of the blogs at work was saying how his wife. Every morning goes to Greg's and gets a, a bacon sandwich and a, and a coffee. So for Christmas, he thought, "Oh, he's a thoughtful present. I get her a thirty-pound Greg's gift voucher as an additional present." <laughs> she didn't. She wasn't no. happy. See, that's a. I think that's a great present. It's practical. Uh, oh, right yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So why are you? Mrs. asked, um, "Does Moisey's fear of subs stem from an incident in a branch of Subway? Maybe twelve-inch related?" Any answers to that one? And one more. We'll do actually. We'll save the we'll save the, the, the proper questions. Yeah, we'll see one. The final one we'll read out from Neil at the White Cafe. He's in Malaysia at the moment. He says a Malaysian guy in bar last night saying Porterfield. I had David Coleman at me at full time when I was pissed off with the lads. So yeah, international brand. If you're listening, Sunderland, Malaysia. There's your next point of point of interest. Get yourself out there. I wonder if we lose a lot of the American followers we've picked up in the last couple of years if we go down because they'll not be able to watch the games. Yeah, good luck getting a stream in the championship. Exactly. We're going to have to mm. actually make sure that our guests have been, a, <laughs> been at the away we'll games to, as well. We'll have to like, go. Right. Okay. Well, we'll be back on Thursday um, for Into the Light where we will be looking at previous seasons and, and discussing... And answering your proper questions. Answering your questions um, and, and stuff like that. We'll have a think eh? because we do have a shorter film. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You're really building it up. Yeah, wait, yeah. Come and it's album. It's basically album filler. <laughs> Come and enjoy it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.